media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3. We've had a, a little bit of a, a motion already this morning as we uh, met with our graduates and their families. We had a breakfast this morning, and and it was really kind of cool. Uh, each of the families had selected a verse for their graduate, and as they were reading those, and they kept their composure well. Um, I don't know that I did, um, because it was just so cool to see that, and to see that a challenge from a mom and a dad, or from a family, a, a brother or sister, about the encouragement of just going long with God and just going hard with God through all the things of life. And so uh, this week, you can be in prayer for those that are graduating. Uh, some of you have uh, middle schoolers and younger high schoolers, and you're looking at it like, okay, it can't happen that fast. And you blink and it will happen. And uh, it's a great thing, but it's a challenging thing. And so this morning, as we look at this, it's easy to be emotional, and it's easy to kind of all the feelings kind of swell up, and it'll be the same way next week with parent-child dedication, as we see the beauty of, of parents, moms and dads coming and say, yes, we dedicate ourselves to the gospel so that we can raise this child, knowing that it's God, and God's going to want, going to be, he's sovereign over this child, and yet it is, we pledge ourselves that this home will be a gospel-centered, a Christ-centered home and do everything within our abilities to raise them in the knowledge of the beauty of this gospel. So it's quite emotional when we begin to have weeks like this. At the same time, it's one of those things that in the midst of this, we need truth. And we talked about that a little bit at the senior breakfast this morning, how God could have very much just made us emotional people. And uh, we'd be all over the place if we were just emotional and then he could have made us very logical people where we we're just very linear and we're just straight line. Here's truth and nothing but the truth. And we're just kind of that. And yet he's mixed both of those in the complexity of who you are. And so you have this emotion given from God. We have truth and, and truth anchors us while emotions allow us to celebrate, but also to mourn and to grieve. And so this morning we go to the word of God and we begin to see on this emotional day when we would begin to share in those emotions the truth that is foundational and bedrock for our lives. Graduation is a time of great celebration. It's a time when sometimes uh, we, we had uh, they had to go on to another celebration, but uh, there was somebody here that was a, a Sunday school teacher uh, for years and years and years. And that's just so cool when somebody can come in and say, yes, I, I've had a part of, of raising this child and teaching them truth. And so it's emotional. At the same time, there's a need for truth. This is what the Apostle Paul felt. You know, we we look at Paul, and he's the great theologian besides Christ. He's the great theologian in the New Testament. And a lot of our theology that we have was written by Paul, inspired by God, but written down by Paul. And so we kind of see him as this theologian. We see him as kind of this guy who's just kind of logical, and he's always giving us truth there. And yet, Paul was emotional, and he was especially emotional about one of his children. And you might say, well, wait, well, time out. I, I thought maybe Paul wasn't married. I thought that, well, no, he had a spiritual child. His name was Timothy. 
He might as well have been Timothy's physical dad because he just loved him that much. I don't know that he could have loved him more if he was his physical dad. And Paul saw Timothy as this young pastor, this young minister. And and Paul, by this time, had received from God that he was going to die. He didn't know the date. It's not like God said, okay, on February 22nd, at this time, you're going to die. But God had already given, if you go back in Acts, you you find out that Paul had been given uh, the knowledge from God that he was going to die. And he was going to die a martyr's death. And so he began to say goodbye to people. And one of the people that he began to say goodbye to was this spiritual son, Timothy. And so we, we have the books of First Timothy and Second Timothy, and we see the charge, and we, we see the emotion of that moment. Second uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Listen to the intimacy of this. Listen to the emotion that we hear here. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Is there a better intimacy in the world than, okay, when I think of you, Timothy, you're in my prayers all the time. I'm I'm praying night and day over you. This letter is full of emotion. And it's written in an event that kind of hangs over because he Paul knows that he's going to die. He knows that at some point in time, it's going to be the last time that he ever gets to meet with Timothy or write to Timothy. And so on one hand, we have him uh, kind of contemplating his death, but at the same time, uh, he's trying to encourage this young son, this spiritual son. At this time, Christianity is in the second generation. And by this time, those that are standing for Christ are paying a pretty high price, sometimes their own physical life. A lot of times they're going to martyrdom. That is, they're dying for their belief. And the Romans are using all kinds of different ways to do that. And some of those are beyond our belief of what they would do with those that were professing to be Christians in those days. And so you can only imagine that at a time when Paul knows he's about to leave and he's trying to give this spiritual wisdom to Timothy as you as a dad and a mom would give to your kids... If you knew that somehow you were about to leave, can you imagine what you would try to pack in to those letters and to those meetings and to those suppers, to those times of sitting around the living room? You would want to take all your love and all your wisdom and all that you are and pour it into their minds and their hearts. And this is what Paul is basically doing in First and Second Timothy. We have great instruction for the church. We have great theology. But please do not miss the foundation of these two letters to his spiritual son, full of emotion. At a time that he knows that he's leaving, and that more than anything else in the world, that he wants to hold on to Timothy, you know what he tells Timothy? You know what his encouragement is? You know what his direction is? Not, Timothy, hold on to me. Timothy, hold on to truth. And I imagine every parent of these seniors, there's a part of you that says, hold on to me. Hold on to me. You can go to school, but it has to be half a mile away, not Kansas. You know, not halfway around the world, right? And yet at the same time that you want to say, hold on to me, the best thing, I challenge you, the best thing that you can say is hold on to truth. Hold on to truth. 
that whether these students go half a mile down the street into this vocation or this training or whatever it might be, in a time that you want to pour into their lives, what is the most profound thing that you could speak into your students' lives? Hold on to truth. And that's what we see repeatedly in this second letter to Timothy. We see it in chapter 1. Look at uh, chapter 1, verse 13. Now follow the pattern, the sound words that you've heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't that be so cool that you had spoken into your students' lives, your children's lives, that you could one day say, okay, now hold on to what? To what I've spoken into your life. The power of God's word. And I realize that sometimes we want to play catch-up. You know, all of a sudden, you know, when they're kids, we're just trying to instruct, we're trying to do, you know, good manners, we're trying to, now you make sure you say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, and those different things. And we kind of cover the whole morality basis and all those different things. And then all of a sudden, they kind of hit that sophomore year, and that junior year, and we want to pour, we want to take like the fire hose and pour into them, okay, look, I've got limited time now, and so open up wide, daughter or son, because I want to pour into you. Why? Because I love you so much, and I want you to have a foundation. That's what Paul's doing here. And he's able to say, Timothy, hold on to what we've already talked about. Is that not cool? Hold on. Not, hey, here's some last-minute instruction. Hold on to what we've already talked about. And he does the same thing in chapter 2. Look what he says there. 2 Timothy 2.15 Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker that has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling, handling the word of truth. He said, as you go out there, make sure that you're handling the word of truth. And he wasn't talking about carrying your Bible. Or like my grandma, I think I've shared this story before, of this traumatic event of my childhood. I was at grandma's house. I would spend sometimes a week up there during the summer. And they had the big family Bible, kind of like that. And I put my milk down on the Bible. I thought my, I thought my grandmother was going to go meet Jesus right at that moment. She was like freaked out. My, my grandmother was like the most calm lady. But there was a shriek. Take your milk off the word of God. I'm going, okay, I didn't know that that was like a violation thing. I didn't know. I didn't know. I never did it again. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about, you know, don't put something on the Bible, okay? That's probably good advice, but, you know, that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is rightly handling the word of God that you, you understand. That you really do have a theology, I know sometimes we think of that theology is for those people that are going into the ministry, or theology is for those. No, theology is for Christians. It's the ways of God. It's the knowledge of God. It's just knowing the things of the Bible, the truths of the Bible, and their application to our lives. Well, well, he continues on chapter three. Look what he says in chapter three, verse fourteen and fifteen. He says, "But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed." Not only was there a teaching. And he gave this word, but he says, okay, you've, you've held on to this so far. Keep on holding on to it. You've already believed this. Knowing from what you've learned and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every parent, this is not just for the graduate parents, every parent, we go through the stress of going, it's just not clicking. We have tried and we tried and tried and I just look at this attitude. Look at this. They don't even care. 
Every parent has done that. And your parents did it too, right? You're saying it as a parent. But I promise you, they looked down at young Radley and said, man, the boy's never going to get it. You know why that is? Because there's this thing called humanity. (laughs) We're humans. And we have highs and lows. And we have mature periods and we have rebellious periods. And we have very complacent times that we just don't care. And then other times it's like a passion. And, and because of that flow, we, we want that passion up here. We want it for our kids. We want that passion, and especially a passion for Christ, to always be all the way up here all the time. Uh, both of my girls are kind of shy. And we had at, at the church that I was at, we had these ones that were just... I mean, they were voracious for the word of God. They were just, I mean, they were the ones that would get out there. I'll preach if you're gone next week, Pastor Bobby. You know, they were just. And in a very unfair way, I wanted that for my girls. They loved Christ. They had that passion. They just were not those outgoing. They were shy. In case you checked in the Bible, guys, shyness is not a sin. It's not a spiritual condition, okay? It's just your personality, okay? So some people, hey, look at me. And then other people are like, where's the corner? Where's the shadow? Those are not spiritual conditions. Those are personalities. And I found myself sometimes going, I mean, I just wish they had this boldness for God. And it was probably more for me than it was for them. Because in their quiet way, in their steady way, they were just faithful to Christ. Paul says here, man, hold on to what you firmly believe, what you've been taught. And then in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, he goes from a taking in to a, to a, a taking out. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. He's saying to, this, to Timothy, a spiritual son, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, preach the word, preach the word. Time after time, Paul keeps hitting the same note. Hold on to truth, son. Hold on to truth. And guys, I believe that those words today are as pertinent and as alive and as needed as they were in that second century of Christianity when Christians were giving their lives in martyrdom. And it was that kind of vital to stand for your faith, but also knowing that it may cost you your very life. Because we live in a day today, and this is not to be condescending, this is not to be, you know, trying to a, a downer or a discouragement. We live in a challenging world, and, and Paul realized that by, by the wisdom of God. He said that there's coming a time when people are not going to endure truth. Second Timothy chapter 4, look what he says in verse 3 and 4. He just said, preach the word, and then he gives the reference why. Not just because it's the right thing to do, not just because it's the word of God, and it's the very thing that gives us life. But look what he says. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit for their own passions. And turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into the mess. Would you agree that we're there? 
and I would challenge that they, they, they in the church age that ever since the ascension of Christ, this has been compounded more and more and more, and that they were already facing this in the day that Paul's writing it. But today we're going, man, this this is true. Wow, we live in a world where, okay, if you just want this philosophy or if you want somebody to believe like this, there will be four experts out there that will tell you, oh, this is the right way to go. Even concerning spiritual things, if you want to believe this and not really aligning with biblical truth, there will be biblical experts that said, yeah, this is, you know, you got to have to just read the Hebrew or the Greek a little bit different way. They didn't mean this, they meant that. Guys, we live in this day. And our kids will be going into that world. So in a time that we would naturally, emotionally, passionately say, hold on to me, Paul says, hold on to truth. When we would say, stay, stay home where it's safe and it's, and we can take care of you. Paul says, no, as I go, Timothy, I, I'm leaving. God has told me that I'm going to die a martyr's death, but when I leave you, I'm going to leave you in good hands because I'm going to leave you with truth and the very spirit of God in your life. This is our hope and this is our encouragement. Parents, as you send graduates out, this is our hope and our encouragement. For parents every day when your kids just get in the car and go off to school, this is your encouragement. When they move to North Carolina and South Atlanta and you only get to see them about once every three or four months sometimes, this is our encouragement. Graduates, today you're going out into a world that truly is like Second Timothy chapter 4. The time has come when we see all these things where a world that does not endure sound teaching. And so my encouragement to you this morning, biblically, is to hold on to truth. In Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, God tells us where we find that truth. It's in his word. He says that all scripture, that is our Bible, all scripture is breathed out by God. The NIV and the ESV versions really capture kind of the intimacy of that because they say that it's the breathed out by God. Others will say, uh, we use the word, uh, uh, you know, that it's God's ordained word or they use different words. The NIV and the ESV, I think, get closer to the original Greek uh, in the writing and really the meaning of what Paul meant. Because he says, breathe that out. In other words, you, you can almost see the person. I, I realize God is the spirit, okay? But you can almost see the person of God breathing out the word. He wanted that intimacy to be there. You want to know the heart of God? The word, guys, the word. You want to know the character of God? The word. You want to know the will of God? The word. And it's kind of amazing because every one of the verses that the parents picked out this morning at our breakfast reflected that, how the word gave us the heart of God, the the character of God, the knowledge of God, the will of God. We live in a world where everybody has some version of a God. You've heard it all the time. Well, my God would never fill in the blank. Well, I just don't think God would do fill in the blank. How do we know then with all these different versions of what God is and what God believes and what he thinks, how do we know the truth? The word. We go to the word where God has revealed himself. He didn't have to. I mean, think about what we would know about God without the word of God. We would know that there's a creator 
and that he's a majestic creator, but we wouldn't really know anything besides, wow, look at this creator God who's created this world. If there wasn't the Bible, if we did not have the Holy Spirit and we didn't have the word of God, what would we know about God if God had not revealed himself through his word? No, everything that we know about him being a loving God, a passionate God, a God who is zealous and jealous, all these he reveals to us in his word. And that's why Paul tells Timothy, in this world that you're going to be released to, and I'm not going to be here to, to see you grow up, Timothy, hold on to truth. He says in verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Teaching basically means that it helps us define the truth of things. Uh, that word is translated in other places, doctrine. Now, this is kind of our foundational truth. In a world that wants to redefine everything right now, we're redefining when life begins, we're redefining sexuality, we're redefining marriage, we're redefining everything. You want to get a real definition? You want to get truth? You, you go to God's word. God will redefine, will define those things for us. In a world that wants to redefine, we're going to know, I, I need to hold on to truth. Where do I find this truth? And we find it in the word of God. Folks, issues will change, but they're not going to go away. There'll be hot buttons today and there'll be hot buttons tomorrow, but God's word will be consistent through it all. Second thing we see there is reproof. Another word, rebuke. And that's the one that we don't like that much because it means that it kind of brings a, 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 a way to go. It shines the light in our darkness of our own world, but we need that or we'll remain in the dark. And so he rebukes us. That's why the Bible says in, in Psalms 119 that the word is a lamp unto my feet. It shows me the way. Teaching, reproof, correction. And it doesn't tell us just where we're wrong, but it tells us the right way to go. Can you imagine to be a, in some kind of advanced high-level physics or high-level math course, you know, very hard linear stuff, and the teacher just graded your page, and you get back this 47 or maybe you did really well, you got a 63. But they weren't willing to tell you, they were willing to tell you that it was wrong, but not the right way to do it. You're going, well, that's the way. then there's no hope. That's why the Bible says teaching this doctrine, this, this truth, this reproof, this cor- and now correction, I will tell you the right way. And that's that last word, training in righteousness. God says, okay, I, I, I want you not just to be reproved and, and corrected, but I want to train you for righteousness. What does that mean? So that as you face choices in the future, you'll know the right path to go and you'll know how to, to answer that and, and select the right path. If that was the end, then we get kind of this very uh, ethereal kind of thinking kind of thing. But look at verse 17, because verse 17 is when Paul really drives it home. That the word of God does these four things, this teaching and correction, rebuke and training in righteousness. For what purpose? What's the end game? And verse 17 tells us that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. I mean, isn't that a good word, parents? As you're about to send off moms and dads, you're about to send off daughters and, and sons. 
that the Word of God can give them a direction. Just for knowledge so they can acquire all this theology now so that they can become competent, equipped for every good work. I mean, isn't that a great prayer? If you're just kind of hoping, okay, what do I want for my kids? I want them to be competent. Isn't competence pretty underrated these days? <laughs> I want them to be competent. I want them to be equipped for every good work. The Word is what does that for us. That through the Spirit of God, the Word of God given us truth. Graduates of 2022, from a pastor's heart, Hold on to truth. Hold on to truth, guys. In a world where everybody's redefining everything, hold on to truth. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a slideshow uh, or kind of a, 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 some pictures of our graduates. And then at the end of that, I'm, I'm going to ask them to come down. And um, remember when I was talking about shyness before? I think like every one of our graduates has a, a certain measure of that shyness. And so it's taking a lot for them to come up. But I, I want them to be able to come up here in the front and uh, so that we can pray over them as we would close. But let me pray first. And then we're going to have uh, some pictures and some oohs and ahs moments. Uh, and uh, then we're going to have a time that we can pray over them. Father, we love you and we thank you so much. And Father, I thank you that... Uh, why we need good sound theology. I thank you that Paul, this theological master of the New Testament, Father, shows his heart as he writes to Timothy. Father, there's so much intimacy from this guy that we would say is just kind of a, a theological nerd. He just, his mind is always working and he shows his heart, especially toward the son in, this, in, in the ministry. And Father, I imagine that there's moms and dads and grandmothers and granddads and friends and sisters and brothers even that today are facing that emotion. And so Father, we collectively pray for these students that they would hold on to truth and that they would know that they can find it in the beauty of your word. For this is where you reveal yourself. You show us the hope of the gospel. You show that you loved us so much that you sent your own son to die in our place so that our sins would be forgiven, covered, gone forever, and that we could live in righteousness with you because of what Christ has done. And one day when this world is over, Father, that we will live with you forevermore. Father, this is our hope, and this is what you've told us in this love letter that you've written from Genesis to Revelation. Father, one story of your redeeming love for us, your people. We love you, Father. And we pray now, Father, that you would just help these students to, to hold on the truth. Father, I thank you that these young ones can come in and kind of have this anticipation of this achievement later in their life, Father, that there is uh, something that they're working toward. And so, Father, just encourage us as we see these uh, pictures of families today. And, Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've given us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.